I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, we've been talking about Florida, it seems like, pretty much the same theme every week. Can the team get better enough defensively to kind of match up with Alabama? You know, it, are things improving at a quick enough rate? It seems like we're really kind of hammering the same topics every week. So I wanted to do something a little bit different on this episode of the podcast. Florida is obviously hosting LSU this weekend. Typically, that's a really, really big game. But when you look at it this year, I mean, LSU has kind of fallen apart. You know, obviously, they win a national championship last year. They lose a lot of guys to the NFL. So I really wanted to focus the first half of the show on whether or not we see Florida's current success being sustainable, because obviously for LSU, it looks like they're having some, some serious issues with sustainability in terms of how they built their roster recruiting. I think Ed Orgeron came out today and said, you know, they're going to have to get immediate impact grad transfers next year, or they're, you know, they're not going to be competitive again. Um, so it looks like LSU is going to go through a multi-year rebuilding process coming off a national championship and I know that Florida fans are, are obviously very, very excited about what the team has done this year back in Atlanta for the first time since 2016. Do you feel that Florida's current success is sustainable? And I guess if so, why? You know, I do. And I think I, it, it's maybe a more than one answer, you know, more than one thing. I think whenever you look at what Dan Mullen has done for a roster, you know, you mentioned Ed Orgeron talking about going through grad transfers or, or at least some, some sense going through the transfer portal. Um, I think that Dan Mullen, the fact that he's done a really good job with that and the landscape of recruiting in general just seems to be saving some spots for those portal guys, those guys that, you know, are going to come in and make an immediate impact. You know, you don't want to go through the transfer portal and have a guy that just isn't going to be an immediate impact guy. I think Dan Mullen and the coaching staff has done a really good job with that. When you look at just some of the guys that they've had through the portal, they either make an impact right away um, or, you know, you know, like a uh, Schuler. you know, first year he was there. Maybe he wasn't a gigantic impact player, but he did enough to make plays. And in next year, obviously, he made a big jump there. It's not always the case when you have some of those graduate transfers. Sometimes that is, you know, just a one-year guy. You look at what Stuart Reese did for Florida's offensive line. I think just knowing that Dan Mullen, how good of a coach, a game planner he is, I think that, you know, no, no, no offense to Ed Orgeron, but I think Mullen just has him so much, you know, it's just so much higher in that category of just really knowing the game, really being a developer. Um, I just think all those things together, I, I would trust – Dan Mullen to take a roster like Florida's that had some talent, but just went four and seven. I think that just the fact that he can pull so much out of things and develop so many things, you, I think you just have to have some, you know, some, some comfort in that fact mixed in with how Florida's done with the transfer portal. And then again, you look at the quarterback position. I think where Dan Mullen is really good at developing quarterbacks. He's really good at, you know, he's a quarterback guy. You know, those are the kind of offenses that can, you know, go through some of that, you know, down years, um, you, know, you know, you look at Kyle Trask, what he's done this year, and you look at, you know, a guy like more than likely what we think would be Emory Jones next year. Could there be some drop-off? 
maybe. You know, I think that's just we're looking at how good Trask is. But I think whenever you look at what Dan Mullen can do to his offense, he can tailor different things. I just don't know that you're going to see just the complete just lost hope kind of what you look at what LSU season is this year. You know, I, I, you lose a guy like Joe Burrow. You have some guys that opt out of the season. Um, they obviously lost a lot of big-time talented guys from that last year's team that won the national championship. But whenever you look at just – I just don't see that you're going to have a season like that for Florida where it's just like, man, this season cannot get over fast enough. I just think that, you know, maybe they don't go in there and they don't play in the SEC championship game every year, but I just don't think you're going to see Florida go in and have the type of season that LSU is this year under Mullen. Well, I think what I'm hearing from you is, and, and I, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I agree if this is where you were going. It seems like under Dan Mullen, Florida's floor is significantly higher. And we've yes. talked about that from day one. I don't think you're going to see a Florida team that only wins six games in a year, you know, that kind of season. I think that the floor is very much eight, nine wins because they've established the foundation. And then I think on the flip side of that, you know, when you talk about having such wide up and down swings, we've seen that at Florida, even with Jim McElwain. I mean, they won the SEC East twice, won 10 games his first year. And then, you know, in year three, they end up having a four win season. I think part of that is, you know, from LSU standpoint, they did catch lightning in a bottle a little bit, you know, with Joe Brady being the offensive coordinator there calling that system and then having a quarterback that could execute it, you know, a generational type talent in Joe Burrow. I, like you said, I, I don't think that's going to be the case for Florida, you know, going forward. You know, I, I don't think that they're going to be able to fully replicate what Kyle Trask has done. It's hard. I mean, that's not any discredit to anybody else. I mean, that's just I mean, he's, Kyle he's Trask playing, is playing insane. He's playing lights out. And I, and, but again, that goes to your point of, I think that, what makes Florida such an intriguing fixture in the SEC East going forward is that, like you said, Florida's offense can look very, very different from year to year. I mean, this is not the, this is not the Florida offense that was run when Tim Tebow was in town. It's a very, very different system. And they've really, and it's not the it. offense he ran in Starkville either. If you look at that, right. I mean, it was a lot right. more QB runs and stuff. I mean, and it's, if you had to point to one, it's probably closest to the offense he ran with, with maybe Dak Prescott. Right. But I think, you know, not quite as much uh, down the field throwing, Mississippi State did you know when they had Dak sure. it was more short intermediate and they, they probably balanced the run game a little bit better than Florida did and, and that goes back to the, like you know the point we talk about every week is like you know is Florida improving enough and, and we talked about I think the run game last episode and whether or not that was kind of a problem because it just doesn't seem like it's there I think that's highly a product of who Florida is as a team and if anything it's a credit to Dan Mullen to be able to craft his offense around what they do best and clearly what they do best right now is Kyle Trask throwing the football and having a very talented stable of receivers. You're talking about, you know, Kyle Pitts as a tight end is the, the first guy on the Bolitnikoff semifinalist list since 2013. So you, you, I mean, you've got some of the best playmakers in the country. I, I think if there's any question mark for me, and you can chime in on this and, and disagree with me if you want, if there's any question mark for me about how sustainable this is for Florida, and by this I mean – getting to Atlanta, you know, being able to compete for an SEC championship, not just getting there, but being able to potentially win one in Atlanta. The only question mark for me is roster balancing when it comes to recruiting. And you, you made a great point that they've been really good about picking transfers in certain spots of need, you know, like they did with Jonathan Grenard. When I look at kind of the scholarship chart and I pull it up and I look at how things have been constructed in different areas, I do worry a little bit some about the class balance at certain positions. We've talked about defensive line recruiting, particularly the interior guys, quite a bit this offseason. You know, it showed up earlier in the season when Kyrie Campbell isn't there. Mm -hmm. And talking to Todd Grantham this week, you know, about why, you know, the defensive front has gotten better, he said, really, it's as simple as one guy. And that's not usually the case. And I think 
inadvertently what he was saying was we haven't done a good enough job recruiting there and it showed up and hurt us. And I think when you look at this roster, I, I do have concerns about the same kind of thing happening in the secondary. You know, I mean, Florida needed young guys in the secondary because they had mostly veteran guys this year. But you look at uh, last year, they signed eight guys in that class in the secondary. This year, I think they have, what, five committed? If I'm not wrong, five, maybe six guys committed in the secondary. That's 14 guys in two classes. So you're going to have some turnover there. I guess the only thing I worry about, Blake, is the – the ability of this staff to balance recruiting. It seems like a little bit, it seems like at times, and I know this was a case that was brought up at Mississippi state as well. At times they get out of whack and then have to rely on either Juco guys, which you can't do quite as much at Florida or transfers. You know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the game has shifted such that transfers are, are a bigger part of you know the equation. And I know that EH on the swamp 24 seven message boards, uh, an absolute legend of a poster kind of made the case that, you know, we need to start thinking about recruiting differently in that you're going to leave four to five spots open for transfers. And, and I think that's a good point. You know, we, we get fixed a lot of times on that, that number, you know, is Florida a top 10 recruiting class or a top five recruiting class. Maybe that doesn't matter as much anymore. Yeah, and I would agree with that. And I think that's just the landscape of recruiting nowadays where you see how highly trafficked the transfer portal is. You can see, you know, big time guys. I mean, the fact that Florida can go in there and get some of those guys that can make an immediate impact. And I would agree with you. I think if there is some concern where you look at where, you know, things could go wrong. And I think you make a good point on the defensive line. I think Sal Sinceri did a, a, a poor job recruiting guys while he was there. I think he had two guys his entire time that were interior defensive guys that committed. And one of those was Malik Langham, who's obviously gone. You look at Jalen Humphreys hasn't really done much this season. You know, he, he had some, some buzz about him in fall camp, you know, if you want to call it that, but just really hasn't translated there. So I think it looking into next year and maybe even going forward next year, you're going to rely on some young guys, you know, depending on who takes advantage of the free years, how that works, you know, all those things are s- still kind of up in the air, I guess, if you want to call it that. But if those guys are gone, you know, you're looking at a Javon Dexter, you're looking at a Jalen Lee, you're looking at younger guys that, you know, Javon, it's great that he's getting the burn this year. He's getting that experience, and that's going to really look good for Florida next year. I think with the transfer portal, leaving some spots open I think is important, and I think going in there – I mean, if I'm Florida and you look at the SEC and you just know how that conference is built, you have to be good in the trenches, man. You have to be big. You have to be physical. You have to be strong. So I think going through there and going through the transfer portal for a defensive lineman I think makes a lot of sense for them, no doubt. Well, and one of the reasons that – class balancing is so important and again we're, we're really we're kind of nitpicking a little bit here sure it's hard whenever you have a good time i mean there's just not really many things to sit there and point out to where it could go it wrong really good i mean they're you know they're and florida's found a way to work around those things but i mean would You're you rather have a, getting to the next level sure. i think the question mark is you know is it sustainable to be a championship Definitely. team this is the one thing that i look at and i say you know for florida to avoid those years where you're close, but you're not quite there. You know what I mean? Those 2016, 2015 type years where, okay, maybe you can do enough and scratch by enough, you know, with good coaching to get to Atlanta. If you really have a shot and maybe this year's the same thing. We don't know yet. You know, we've gone back and forth on that quite a bit. But the thing to me is when you do a poor job of class balancing, sometimes even when you're trying to play catch up, you can't catch up because of things that are outside of your control. I mean, look at the defensive tackle class, you know, they sign, like you said, two guys in those 2018 and 19 classes, one transfers. So they go out and they, they had five guys committed as interior defensive tackles in the, the last signing class. Well, guess what? Johnny Brown didn't make it in. You know, he was an academic casualty, I believe, and yes. wasn't able to make it in. So now you're already down to four. Lamar Goods has been hurt, hasn't played at all. So you have no idea if he's – like, I mean, if he plays next year, it's going to be the first snaps he's ever taken. 
Uh, Jalen Humphreys, again, a guy that dealt with an injury and kind of took him at least half a year to even get rolling as a true freshman. He's essentially a freshman himself. He's a freshman in his as own well. Sense. So you're talking about, you know, you're, you're never going to hit 100% on recruiting, right? And that's why it's important to balance those classes such that you're not relying on a group of five freshmen who may end up getting homesick and transferring, who knows. You're just not going to hit 100%. So I would like to see Florida do a little bit better balancing. You look at the offensive positions, I think they, they've done a much, much better job. You know, the receivers are very, you know, uh, stacked out. Each class, you've got two or three. Same thing at running back now. Uh, tight end, kind of the same deal. Offensive line, they, they've gotten a little bit better, although they're, they're a little bit, you know, top heavy and then bottom heavy in terms of the, the veteran guys and the younger guys. They don't have a whole lot of real – But they've been aggressive on the – They've been, they've been good. And they're playing – They've done a good job of when, you know, when they take a big class on the O-line, playing a couple of them, but redshirting a couple of them. And again, that's that class balancing where you don't have a bunch of guys leaving in one year and leaving you a big hole. Right. And I think in the secondary, you could kind of make the same sense too, to sure they're throwing out some of those veteran guys, but I think they've done an okay job getting some of those, you know, the Rashad Torrances, mm-hmm. um, you know, even at linebacker guys like Tyron Hopper, who could play more, sure. But I think that they've done enough. Trevez Johnson, they've gotten some guys that whenever you have such a, veteran-led group, and Florida's really hit the, uh, the secondary hard in the 2020 cycle, and, and that was more so at cornerback. And then this year, you got a guy like Jason Marshall, who's obviously a very good five-star player, but safety was really kind of the, the more of the focus there for them. So I think Florida getting some of those safety guys, the Torrances, the you know, Trevez Johnsons, getting them some play time, I think puts them in a little bit better spot than defensive tackle. But again, just the way that safety recruiting is gone, you, you see the gaps, you know, you see the younger guys, you know, you go from a, you know, a junior senior type guy down to a true freshman. So there are some gaps there, but I think it's good for Florida to not only hold on to those guys and they've signed such a deep group, but they've also gotten those guys, their feet wet too. So I, I think that it's, you, you just like the situation a lot better, maybe so than the defensive line. No, I agree. And I think, and again, I think it takes time to, to kind of get that full structure on board. And again, we are really, we're, I mean, we're nitpicking here. And, and the only reason we're doing that is because, again, Florida's done such a good job of everything else that, again, I don't think Florida's ever going to be in a situation where LSU is this year, you know, where they win a national title and then it's sure. just complete drop off a cliff. I don't see that at Florida. I think Dan Mullen's floor is too high for that. And I think that, you know, the key to being competitive on that level every year, you know, where you're getting to Atlanta, you're having a chance in Atlanta is really, I mean, it's the Alabama system. You know, you get younger guys in gradually. That way you always show up with a veteran team. Doesn't it seem like every year Alabama has veteran guys across the board? Part of that is they get cultural buy-in. They recruit well at each spot each year. And, you know, Florida is probably not going to ever recruit quite on that level with Dan Mullen, but they've done well enough at getting impact transfers. I think their, their record with the transfers now speaks for itself and allows you to further recruit good transfers. I mean, we've seen that DeMarcus Bowman coming in, five-star guy. Florida's able to do that. Now you just want to see it balanced. You want to see it consistent. That way there's not one position group that holds you back in a given year. And if we're looking at it next year, the real concern is going to be that defensive front. Definitely. And, and I think the portal is – it's an easy fix. If you find a guy that buys in and, and fits your culture and you think you can get some play out of him, I think that it's something that – it's so easy for Florida. No, I mean, I don't know if easy is the word, but it's something that is possible. Very Whenever doable. you can go through, it's very doable. You can do that with the portal. And I think that that's what makes it good. And I think that that's where Florida does a really good job of, 
evaluating just because, I mean, you have to just look at their track record. Every guy that they've gotten through the portal, I mean, for the most part, I mean, Jordan Pouncey's one that I guess we can still kind of wait to see what happens there. But for the most part, all those guys have come in and contributed quickly. Right. All right, Blake, let's, uh, let's take a quick break. I want to get to, obviously, early signing period is coming up middle of next week. I want to kind of get your thoughts on that and where Florida stands going into that. And then we'll take a look at a couple questions that we have in the five-star mailbag right after this commercial break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition the two-way v4 gives you the tools to play at a high level learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com welcome back to the swamp 24 7 podcast i'm thomas goldcamp here with blake alderman blake florida obviously kind of a weird year for everybody i guess not just florida but you're getting into the early signing period it starts next wednesday and will run from wednesday to friday allowing recruits to sign their national letter of intent and kind of lock their spot in the class Meanwhile, Florida's going to be in the middle of preparing for an SEC championship, a trip to Atlanta to face Alabama. What, is, what do Florida fans need to know about this early signing day? I know that Florida locked up a good bit of its class early in terms of commitments, so probably not a whole lot of signing day drama in terms of announcements. But can you just kind of give us an idea what Florida fans should be looking for? You know, like you said, having such a full class right now, um, not all of those commitments will sign. I know I've highlighted some of those guys that aren't planning to sign. Um, I think it was the last episode or the episode before. So not all those guys in the class will be signing on Wednesday. But the good thing for Florida is that uh, the majority of them will. And not only will a majority of those guys sign early, but, you know, guys like Jason Marshall, Corey Collier, both Florida's quarterback commits, a wide receiver, Marcus Burke, safety and Donovan McNillan. Uh, you know, wide receiver Dejon uh, Reynolds, uh, linebacker D- uh, Dewan Black, who's coming out of the JUCO uh, ranks right there. You know, another linebacker, Chief Borders. Defensive line, which has been a spot where, you know, Florida, like we said, is going to be young. Guys like Justice Boone, Desmond Watson, even guys in the secondary, excuse me, even uh, Christopher Thomas, another defensive lineman, says he's going to enroll early. Uh, secondary guys, you know, like I mentioned, Corey Collier and Jordan Young. And then you've got Nick Elsness, who, you know, more than likely you're going to see Kyle Pitts go to the, to the NFL draft. And I think Elksness has that pass catcher kind of big body to himself so I mean the majority of what I'm saying is that Florida's got a lot of groups of guys that are enrolling early and whenever you have those guys get in there you know I guess we'll wait to see how a spring football season goes right but I guess just me thinking that spring football will happen these are spots that Florida has needed some help you know maybe not so much quarterback but you know the secondary the defensive line the linebacker groups these are guys that you're going to be able to get them in the spring it's not always a given that freshmen are going to play in, in, a, in an SEC season or in a you know, season in general, but the guys that do are the ones that early enroll. So the fact that Florida is getting some help at some spots where they, they you know, 
to be frank, need it. Um, it, it's really good. So a lot of those guys signing early for Florida is a big time thing. Uh, excuse me, not only signing early, but enrolling early. Uh, Florida's got some targets left on the board too, that are going to be announcing on the early signing day. Uh, you know, a guy like Terry and Arnold, a guy like Bryce Langston, those guys are planning to sign in February. So, you know, just because I don't mention those guys right now, doesn't mean they're not targets for Florida, but I'm kind of just looking more so at December right now. You've got five-star Xavier Sori, uh, four-star defensive end Tunamiche Adiele. Um, those are guys that are actually going to be on campus at Florida this weekend for the LSU game. I uh, can't meet with the coaches, but they'll be, uh, you know, they got a ticket and they're going to be there to, to watch the game. So, you know, those guys will be announcing. Uh, I believe Tunamiche is announcing on the 17th, though, so he won't be the first day of the uh, early signing period. Uh, Tristan Lee, another five-star offensive tackle, uh, not probably a name that's really mentioned a lot with Florida because just the fact of, of the lack of visits this year. Uh, he, he took a, a tour of schools in the state of Florida. I think it was springtime, summertime, somewhere around there. It was kind of a quick stop through Florida, so it wasn't a chance for him to really get a good feel. So he's coming with some family this weekend. Steve Wilfong at 24-7 Sports reported that uh, his mom's coming, his younger brother, who's a 2023 offensive lineman with a Florida offer, uh, his girlfriend, who has some interest in attending school in Florida. I believe she has family in the Orlando area. I believe her father's coming. So, I mean, he's got a, a big, pre pretty big group of family coming in there this weekend. So Oklahoma has kind of been that school talked about a lot. I don't know for sure, and I don't know that it's really known in general right now of Tristan Lee signing on uh, the early signing period. I do know that he's planning to announce on the uh, Army game, or excuse me, the uh, I think it's called the All-American Bowl now. They're having a live stream since the game's not being played of guys that will announce on January 2nd. His plans are to sign there. I know he's not an early enrollee with Virginia looking to play their uh, football in the spring, so he's planning to play with his teammates and whatnot then. So, you know, not a lot of targets really left for Florida. Um, you know, maybe a guy like Terrence Lewis, they've kind of had some dialogue there, but as far as I know, the focus for Florida is fully on Xavier Sori at that linebacker position because Florida's got, you know, guys like Jeremiah Williams. They've got chief borders in the class, Dewan Black, who's coming out of the Juco ranks. So, you know, Florida is really looking at that, at, you know, that guy like Sori, the five-star player who they've recruited since a freshman. They were his first offer. So I don't quite have all the signing times for all those guys. I will have a story uh, closer to the early signing period for all the commits signing, and it'll be a free story just, you know, for people to kind of stay in the, in the loop about when these guys are. I'm still collecting some of these times. But, man, I mean, when dealing with high school kids here, man, I'm, I'm asking these kids, you know, like, I don't know, man. I don't know yet. So some of the times we do know. Um, but, you know, Florida's going to have a small little cluster of guys that are targets that will be, uh, we'll be announcing, um, you know, so we'll have to see how things play out. And, but again, you know, good that some of these guys are going to be on campus this weekend. I mentioned uh, Tuna Miche. I mentioned uh, Xavier Sori. Uh, Florida's also going to have, uh, and also Lee as well. Um, Terry and Arnold, who I mentioned earlier, will sign in February. He's also going to be on campus. So Florida's going to have, a, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, late in the season. It's good for them to get some of these guys on campus in some kind of capacity, even though they can't meet with the coaching staff, just considering that, you know, visits have been so wacky this year. Yeah, it's, it's really a weird year, and, you know, credit to Florida staff for being out in front on recruiting and really having the bulk of the class kind of locked in. You know, you talked about the early enrollees. I think I count 13 early enrollees. So, I mean, it, it seems like this staff has, has placed kind of a premium on getting guys in early. I know they had 10 guys enroll early last spring, and obviously, you know, unfortunately, they didn't really get the benefit of enrolling early in terms of the football aspect. You know, obviously, they got adjusted to campus life and all that, but weren't able to play because of COVID in the spring. Right. But anytime you get those guys in early, and I think especially you mentioned the quarterbacks, you're not expecting those guys to make an early impact, but having that extra spring, man, an extra 15 Great. practices. There's literally no downfall to it. For those guys, you know, especially because they get to learn from the veterans and kind of kind of soak things in. So, uh, yeah, you guys, make sure you tune into Swamp 24-7. Like I said, Blake, um, you know, he does a great job keeping all that updated. He'll have updates on when guys are signing, that kind of thing. And, 
you know, we'll, we'll be updating our commitment list and flipping guys over to signing uh, as soon as we get their national letters of intent confirmed. But uh, Blake, let's slip over to the five-star mailbag. We have a couple kind of Florida, Alabama questions again. Uh, so we've got one from SGG Fana. Uh, can UF really match up with Alabama? It feels like they're not quite there yet. And I'll kind of roll this into uh, another question from MTR Gator. Can Florida get Mac Jones off his spot and kind of force him into some some issues that way by creating pressure? I'll go ahead and leave those up to you. Uh, so the first one is is just can they match up to Alabama? I think there's up. some areas where they do match up. I think one of the ones that are kind of the glaring matchups for me is obviously their um, wide receivers. You know, guys like uh, you know uh, what's it? Uh, Devontae, Devontae Smith, Smith and Mechie and, and Mechie yeah. and those guys. I mean, those guys are. I mean, they've just been really strong all year. Florida's obviously struggling in the secondary. Um, so I think that that's maybe one of the biggest matchups where I think it's pretty lopsided. I think Florida's offensive line, I, I'm not really too familiar with Alabama's defensive line. I know they always roll out a, you know, a pretty stacked just unit in general. Yeah. I, I don't know that that's really um, as one-sided, so to say, as what their wide receivers against the secondary would have been. And that's just what we've seen for the season. I agree with that. Yeah. It's just, you know, they've, they've struggled. Um, but, you know, I think there's a lot of areas where they do match up good. Um, maybe not so much in the rushing game when you look at what Najee Harris has done for, uh, for Alabama. But I think he goes back to your point earlier to where Florida really has focused more on the passing game just because that's what they do a really good job at. Um, and I'm sorry, what was the other question? Just, you know, defensively, are they going to be able to get Mac Jones off the spot? And I think that, you know, that goes to the point about you got to win in the trenches. Sure. And I think it's possible when you look at what Florida's done just on the SEC this year, leading for tackles for a loss, um, you know, leading in sacks. I think that they do a really good job there. And I think that if you look at one part of the Florida's defense, obviously the front seven is where their strength is. Um, I think the defensive line does a good job. You know, I think that they can definitely get back there and get some pressure on him and get him off his game. Um, you look at kind of uh, just what they've done to a lot of quarterbacks just over the season, you know, but then it's hard whenever you look at what they did against Texas A&M just because Kellen Mond looked really good, but also Kyrie Campbell wasn't in that game. So i about, you know, I randomly think throughout the season, you know, I wonder how that game would have gone if Kyrie Campbell was there, you know, guys playing in a different right. position. So I think that they can definitely get to him. Mac Jones has had a really good year. He's obviously got a lot of talented guys around him and Alabama staff. I think they know what Florida does really good in the trenches there and how they can really get after the quarterback and make him feel uncomfortable. Will they change their game plan around? I think that's possible. So maybe they can take that deficiencies out of those guys getting back there and getting in his face. But I think for the most part, I mean, can they? Yeah, I think they can. I think, I think if you're Florida, and I, I want to say we talked about this a little bit last episode of the podcast, you have to treat this very similar to the Georgia game in that going into that Georgia game, you knew that, you know, the only way Georgia was really going to be able to beat you was if they controlled the line of scrimmage on both sides, and particularly on offense for Georgia, if they were able to run the football and kind of shrink the game, you know, take out possessions. Alabama is obviously way, way more balanced than Georgia and has a, a really deadly passing attack. But I think if you're looking at this game for Florida, it kind of boils down to how is this team constructed? We've talked about it all year. For Florida, it's much better to be aggressive defensively, you know, play very stout in the front seven, try to take out the run for Alabama and force Mac Jones to beat you. And he's going to beat you some. I mean, he's, he's, he's good getting the ball downfield. Florida's secondary, like you said, has had some issues. But I think if you're Florida, you play this game boomer bust on defense and you load the front seven – you send a lot of pressure after Mac Jones. You try to get him to make a key mistake or two. And then you rely on your offense being able to do what it does and be efficient enough that, hey, if you come away with a couple takeaways, take you know, you stop Alabama here and there on a three and out or force a punt, you know, um, some kind of turnover, all of a sudden you, you've got a shot. 
I think where you're not going to have a shot is if you can't stop the run and Alabama was able to run the ball on you, then they can take the ball out of Kyle Trask's hands and really kind of dictate the, the pace and the flow of the game. And I think for Florida, if you're going to scheme up a game plan, and I know that the Gators have been doing this for a couple weeks already now with an advanced scout on Alabama, that's how you, you build it, in my opinion. You start with that front seven defensively, and you try to give your offense a shot to go win you the game. Thomas, I have a question for you to kind of follow that up. We've talked about and we've heard that if you want to beat Florida, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do, but for the most part, it's, it's control the time of possession, you know, keep the ball away from their offense. Do you think that that in turn is kind of the same way that Florida would have to beat Alabama? No, no, I don't. Um, I, I don't think that Florida Just with needs how good their offense is played. I mean, Bama has had a good offense yeah. as well. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that's the, the game plan for Florida. I think, I think Florida, because its offense is so efficient, you want as many possessions as you can sure. because Definitely. your your goal is to basically be more efficient offensively than the other team. And if you can come away with a few opportunistic takeovers on defense, uh, takeaways on defense, then that gives you the chance to give Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts, an extra possession. And we've seen how good Florida is in the middle of games. Those extra possessions are what ends up swinging things. And I, I think if you're Florida, no, I, I don't think at all that you want to kind of win a time of possession game against Bama or make sure. that a focus. So it's more all. about the uh, quality of your possessions, not necessarily of the time of possession. I think absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Blake, let's finish up with a slightly different question in the five-star mailbag from Cody Bouchard. Uh, his question is basically, is there any chance the offense gets better next year with Emory Jones in charge? It seems like he'll bring a little bit more balance to the offense. I- I'll go ahead and start. I think, yes, I do expect Florida to be more balanced. I don't think they're going to be better. I think, it just depends on what your term of better is. You know, right. is, balance, is more balance better? Sure. I mean, because you're not so one-dimensional. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's exactly the way to look at it. You know, more balance can stress a defense, but when you look at how Florida stressing defense is right now, I mean, when you've got a, a guy that can go through every single read on the field and make the correct read nine times out of ten with Kyle Trask, and then you've got the playmakers with Kadarius Toney, you know, Kyle Pitts, Trayvon Grimes – you, you, you're really picking your spots on offense. You know, I mean, the fact that Florida is not even – Florida's coaches are not concerned about the fact that they can't seem to run the ball. And I think part of that is they're not really trying to run the ball. I mean, if you, you take Dan Mullen at his word, they're not really trying to run the ball at all because they don't need to. I mean, that's how good they are in the passing game, that they don't need to. I just don't think – you know, I've been around college football a long time now, um, you know, going on a decade plus of, of actually covering it in the media – I have not seen many quarterbacks that can do what Kyle Trask can do from a processing standpoint. And I really, we've talked about it on the podcast. I love Emory Jones's running style. I think he does a terrific job of, of kind of getting small and running through holes and surprising you with how quickly and how physically he can get extra yards. So I do think there's going to be more balance, but yeah, Blake, I don't, I just can't see it being better than this year. When you talk about the efficiency, the ability to go score points on pretty much any drive, it's, it would be hard for me to see Florida getting better offensively. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think, it again, it just kind of circles back to what's your term of better is more balance and being able to do different things better. Sure, then, yeah, they'll be better. But it's just hard, man, when you look at what they've done this year. I mean, the offense is – I mean, it's, it's, it's just it's hard to – it, I mean, it is. It really is unreal. It's hard to match that. So I just – you know, if you're looking for, you know, all the yardage and all the points and all, you know, the, the craze that it's happened, I mean, it's a Heisman Trophy quarterback, you know, or candidate in Kyle Trask. So – uh, I don't think it'll be better in that sense, but I do think if you if if balance is what you're looking for and you want to see more running, and I think Emory Jones can bring that and he can bring that balance there too, and then yeah, then they're sure. Yeah, and I, I do think the weapons will shift a little bit. I mean, you, you lose guys like Kadarius Tony and Kyle Pitts and probably Trayvon Grimes, and then you add a guy like Demarcus Bowman and some of the running backs that Florida will have. I, it's going to look really different. 
And it's going to be really, it's kind of, it's kind of cool that, you know, Florida can be so different year to year. And I think for opposing teams, it probably makes them tough to game plan because you, you don't have exactly the same system every year and it can vary. But I think, you know, Dan Mullen has shown he's able to make it work with whatever he's got. And it'll be very, very different next year. I feel very confident saying that, you know, if Emory Jones takes over at quarterback, it's going to be a very different look. I think they'll, they'll still be very effective. But I think to ask more from this offense in terms of being able to score. It's not a guy you're asking to throw 50 times a game either. No, no, no. And, and that's fine. They, they very well may be equally as productive. But I, it's just I think it would be underselling what Kyle Trask is doing to expect the offense to get better next year with him out. Right. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today's episode of the podcast. As we mentioned, you know, early signing period coming up on Wednesday. We'll obviously have a lot of post-LSU coverage. Uh, you know, the SEC championship game's coming up. We'll have plenty of breakdowns on that on Swamp 24-7. And then in the middle of the week, Blake will be keeping track of everything that's going on with recruiting as these 13 early enrollees, or 13 anticipated early enrollees and several other commits ink their letters of intent with Florida. So be sure to visit swamp247.com. And uh, until then, we will see you guys later. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.